from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. That's right. Something just happened to my headphones and it's freaking me out and I don't know what's going on. Son of a... Ah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. All right. Before we get too deep here, I should probably do the whole like ad thing, and then we'll explain how there's other people in the studio. So we'll oh, that, that would first, be good, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's usually just you and I. And... <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of the homepage and join today. Also, I want to give a shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, uh, Andy Thompson and Devin Stinson. If you'd like to be as awesome as those two, head over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. It's two. And if you're going to be doing any shopping on Amazon, which you know you are because that's oh anybody shops now, uh, head over to uh, studios.com, click the Amazon link above our homepage. Your Amazon shopping is normal, and then Bezos gives us money. So it really works out great for us. All right. Uh, yeah, so we have we have Katie in the studio from uh, Bobtown Brewing and Hop and Barrel Brewing, kind of double dipping there. That's too many breweries. I don't understand. Uh, and then we have Gordon from Paint. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> long time listener, uh, third time guest, Sherman w- w- Wimley. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, no, Sher- Sherman, Sherman Wimley. I think. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So, Katie, I guess uh, you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself just so they're not completely lost here? Uh, sure. Sure thing. I uh, I don't Sorry. know. I don't know what to say. I just got, I just <laughs> I got sh- hit I in, the, the, in microphone the face at her face, by a microphone. So. Uh, I'm Katie. I work at, um, currently work at both Bobtown Brewhouse Brewery in Roberts and also at Hop and Barrel in Hudson. So it's kind of a dual, dual thing for me. Um, I've been brewing beer professionally for about five years, home brewing for forever before then. So, you know, it's how we all start, I believe. But I think so. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you. All right. Gordon, do you have anything you want to say? I mean, I mean people I'm, know I'm you. Back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't well, get rid of me. <laughs> Only the greatest show of <laughs> podcast of all time called Rules of the Arena. That you can Sorry about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I don't know. All right, all right. Uh, so, Flying Brian, what have you been up to beer-related lately? Beer-related. Uh, drinking a lot of Modelo. Way too much Modelo. It's the house beer now. It is the house the beer. Studio. Well, I mean, the coronavirus came out, so we can't have that. <laughs> we need to inoculate ourselves. That's how we roll. <laughs> uh, Beer-wise. Uh, you know, I mean, we're we're kind of cranking some some interesting sours at the brewery, and the most uh, recent one is the key lime. Uh, so that's going pretty well. Uh, I have not had that one yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, the uh, Katie sitting next to me, so I should probably also mention that we do uh, the Brew Like a Girl series, uh, which is headed up by Katie, and uh, we are actually gonna. Do something we haven't done before, which is pretty exciting, uh, which is to rebrew uh, a one-off. And we don't generally we don't rebrew a one-off. We just sort of keep it, you know, keep it uh, to the to the one thing quarterly. 
Um, that being said, we're going to rebrew the Lady of the Woods, and, and it's a pretty uncommon style. And I mean, I can probably pass it over to Katie because I really don't have a whole lot else to say. It's been pretty run, run of the mill at the brewery, uh, other than expanding right. to some yeah, other no, markets. Yeah, no. So, but, what is uh, what uh, is Lady of the Woods? Yeah, so Lady of the Woods uh, is is that the third out of the Brew Like a Girl yes, series? Yes, it is. Yeah. So what what we're working with here is actually a white stout, which is a pretty uncommon style. Uh, from a homebrew standpoint, um, you know, this is like a 40% adjunct beer. You're going to stick a bunch of rice hulls in it. You know, Brian, I, I would love yeah. to hear you talk about it, but I it wouldn't. sounds like Katie is the actual expert on this Hang beer. On, so. let, me, let me put this beer in my face. I'll shut up. Well, I didn't, I didn't actually have everything to do with the recipe because um, the other owner of Hop, Hop and Barrel, Justin, he helped me build it. But it's the crazy amount of adjuncts in this beer. Wheat, barley, all flaked, oats. And, you know, there's always this rule that you shouldn't use more than, you know, a certain percentage of these adjuncts in beer because, because you're going to, you know, get stuck mashes and whatever. Um, but we put, I think it's like 30 or 40 percent between flaked wheat, flaked barley. There is some flaked oats, but then there's also oat malt. Um, and it's just this beer is just thick, it's so thick. But it's, you know, it's and that, you know, that's sort of like you have to you have to emulate a stout with a with a blonde beer and that's how kind of we, we 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 got it done but you know don't don't be afraid to use 30 or 40 percent adjuncts in a beer so many adjuncts just use rice yeah. hulls it's like for your... it's like simple <laughs> syrup thick you know you go to a if you've ever made simple syrup like mm-hmm. half sugar you know a cup of sugar cup of, of you know hot water it's it's thick like that yeah, well i was there uh when you guys first tapped it and like it like um, I want. It didn't run out of the faucet so much as just kind of pour out of the faucet. Like was that? Yeah. Was that the one year or two year anniversary? No, it would have been the third. This third? this most recent one. Yeah, this yeah. Your third. Yeah, this brew like a girl series is uh, quarterly with no uh, your your anniversary party. That would have been the third. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a third. Wow, I know. So Time flies. Fifth, fifth wheel was. The first one, yeah. 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 For your second anniversary is still kind of hazy. <laughs> well, you know, lost a number. And if somewhere. you drink fourteen pints of Space Force and then hit it the bourbon, only it's twelve pints okay, of fine. Space Force, and I had the triple that you had on, and then uh, yeah, fifth wheel. I fifth think wheel. It, yeah, and then you had another <laughs> high ABV thing on. Well, that would have been the. When, it was a dark. Was I don't know when that was. was. Maybe no. Somebody bought me your uh, your stout. Yeah. Um, the milk so lactose yeah. panda. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, this uh, um, Lady of the Woods is a white stout, and on nitro, that beer is fantastic. Oh, really? Oh, yes. it's the best. Oh. And it takes like 18 hours for it. To, you know that that cascading effect that nitro. It's like 18 hours, and then it's finally <laughs> ready to drink. It, it just refuses to settle. It's just like <laughs> now there's still more bubbles. It's it's coming. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Brew Like a Girl series, was that, um, was that kind of like your idea to kind of push forward on that or? I don't, I don't really remember. I don't either. Okay. Uh, just kind of happened. kind of started doing it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it was, I think it was a situation where there was some, um, you know, I, I, I being a, a woman working in the brewing industry and doing production in the brewing industry, it's pretty rare. Um, there's not a lot of us. And I think that there were, you know, I get a lot of comments like, you know, wow, that's so great, you know, and, and it's like, well, it's not that difficult. It's like if it's something that you love to do and you're able to do the, you know, the the, the physical part of brewing beer, go for it. Um, and I think I just had enough taproom employees maybe that were kind of interested in what that looked like as a process and finally maybe weren't intimidated to ask me about it that I was like, hey, can I brew a beer and and make this be 
kind of you know something special that we could do with the the other women that work in the brewery. Oh, that's and, cool. And then it became a series mm-hmm. with yeah. you know. All, Lady all of the, the Woods stuff. was actually in partnership uh, with uh, Witch Witch Hunt, which is another inclusion group based uh, in Minneapolis uh, with some uh, an older good old friend of mine, Barb Gettle, uh, kind of runs the show uh, partially on that in that group. So awesome! Yeah, it was really fun. Yep. All right. Well, I don't like now. I'm like, oh shit! Now I have to say what I've been up to, and it's been nothing nearly as exciting. I always say, "What about you, man? What about you?" Uh, I mean, I finally started brewing again. It's been a couple of months. Uh, did a did a did that pale ale that we talked about? Uh, recipe, I have it. Pull that up, yeah, because he brewed today, and then we went and had some food and some beers. Yeah, uh, I brewed yesterday and today. Yeah, and it, there it looks like barf in the snow, but it's actually uh, kettle. Troom. No, actually, no. That is not kettle troom. What was that? Uh, that is uh, the the waste out of the sour fermenters. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's why it looks so much like. <laughs> I mean, it is. There's a, a a good bit of snow on the ground here in uh, beautiful River Falls, Wisconsin, at the Blind Ninja Studio. Right next to that cornfield. Right, right, right. Blind Ninja Studios, right next to the cornfield. Uh, Yeah, so a very, very simple recipe uh, for this pale ale. It was uh, 60% uh, two-row, 40% golden promise. And I believe last time you yelled at me for using golden promise, and you said I should use something else, but I don't remember what that was. So... I don't remember now. I just listened to that episode, too. Fuck. Uh, Come on. I I just lived it, but I don't listen to whatever Brian says. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. I mean, you're right. It's not. I sometimes listen. Uh, and then 60, I uh, then I used uh, just uh, Falconer's Flight Seven Seas Blend uh, throughout. Um, did it super simple. Did an ounce at sixty, an ounce at thirty, and an ounce at flame out. Uh, so just going for very hoppy pale ale. Uh, I hit ten fifty one when I was shooting for ten fifty two. I'll count that as a win. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it should be good. We'll see. Uh, the fermenter hasn't exploded yet, so have that going for me. Was would would you pitch east wise? Uh ten fifty six. Okay. Uh, did a leader starter. Yep. Uh, other than that, not much. I got the uh, the flow meters finally hooked up and not foaming crazy on the kegerator, but I haven't figured out the electronics because that stopped working. So now I have to debug into that. So that's a whole uh, other thing. Yeah, you're talking about your Raspberry Pi yep. setup with your keyser. Yep. So that's fun, because mm-hmm. what I want to do when I'm not working is debug other software. <laughs> yeah. That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if computers just worked all the time, it wouldn't be an issue. Well, they wouldn't need you then. All right, Ryan, should we start talking about some yeast? Yes. All right. So today we're going to be talking about yeast storage. Um, and we're going to be looking at this mostly from a homebrew perspective. I know we've kind of gotten into the weeds a little bit, uh, like looking at things like commercially uh, with the yeast book. Speaking of which, where is my yeast book? Pull that bad boy out, man. I've got mine ready. Yeah, we're working on yeast storage and maintenance, I think, is one of the, the starting points here for us today. Uh, uh, so we're going to be, again, we're going to try to, as we always do, look at this more of uh, from a homebrew uh, perspective, um, which is another good reason why I have Katie on, because um, uh, like she said, we all started 
from have Holden. we have we talked about what book we're talking about? Yes, we have, uh, and we will okay. talk about it again. Frequently, it is yeast: the practical guide to beer fermentation by Chris White uh, with Zamil. Jane, or Jamil Zanishev. Mm-hmm. Fantastic book. It's if great. you haven't read it, yep. read it. Um, also, if you haven't reread it, reread it. Yes. Yeah, I would. I would say that as well. I, I mean, they're. It's like, a reference. I, like, well, yeah. Like I told Katie the first time I ever went through this book, uh, I underlined a bunch of crap that I was like, "Why did you underline that?" The second time you go through, because <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you you build you build on the knowledge. Uh, but yeah, I would. I highly recommend jumping through each of these. Uh, yeah, the, the hops, the, malt, uh, mm-hmm. water, and yeah. yeast. I've yeah. not, I've not gotten into the water one, but I've read the other. Well, now I'm, re- I'm actually rereading yeast. Coincidentally, think, sort of right now, um, and then the hops and the malt. They're, they're, they're all in their own ways yeah. very interesting and knowledge and, uh, you know, knowledgeable resources. Yeah, I think the only one denser than the yeast one is the water one. That's a tough one. Yeah. That is a very like. There's a lot of numbers in there, and then you're just like, I I don't know. I can count to four. We're okay. It's gonna be fine. And then you're like, water's wet. We're good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> then speaking of water, uh, that helps us make beer. Yes, and now we're talking about yeast, which is the other thing that helps us make beer. Correct. All right. Um. So many brewers agree that as long as it's not a high alcohol beer. Uh, the best place to store yeast is under the beer it's fermented. That doesn't mean to store it in the fermenter. It means, like, pull it, but store it with some of the beer that it fermented with. Because it likes that. Mm-hmm. It's been there for a while. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's stable. Uh, and we can. I hope we can agree that as long as it's not, like, a high-alcohol beer, which would is another piece. We'll talk about autolysis, which is just simply, like, yeast dying um, for one reason or the other. Uh, lots of different reasons why that might happen, and we'll get into. Yep. Uh, yeah, so first thing we're going to kind of talk about is what you should store your yeast in, because that's kind of the first thing you need, is you need something to put it in. Um, and the common vessels uh, that like most people use, uh, corny kegs at the homebrew level, a little overkill. Um, like a stainless bucket with a lid is great, because, well, it's stainless, um, and like a lid allow, will allow CO2 to off-gas before mm-hmm. it becomes too high. Uh, I think it said 20 PSI can be yeah. pa- fatal to yeast, which yeah. isn't a ton when you're talking about pressure. It's really not. Uh, so your corny keg, again, if we haven't you haven't been listening a ton, and we've gone over this a few times, but it is the, the uh, five-gallon stainless old-school steel soda kegs. You can still get some of the old style, and they, make, they do make new ones. They make small ones. They make large ones. But the most common is a five-gallon corny keg. Uh, stainless steel soda keg. Um, if you have skinny eighth grade boy arms like me, you can get your hand all the way into the bottom of it. What's that like? Awesome, because I can clean the keg. <laughs> I have to use a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Don't, don't, don't even start that. <laughs> I can get my like wrist in there, maybe. So the, right. So in any case, these cornies are they're pretty common. Um, the pros on a corny keg is that we're working with a stainless steel. It's something that we can clean and we won't scratch it like a plastic bucket, which any kind of the plastic stuff will get into. Uh, usually these are readily available. Uh, they were scarce, then they were not, then they were, and then they're now they're not. Uh, it's extremely easy to sanitize these, but as far as like cons for this type of thing is that generally they're too large for uh, homebrew application. 
so it makes them a little bit unwieldy. The second thing we got to think about here is cleaning, sanitizing, sterilizing, uh, which is the thing we talk about all yes. the time. So and remember, got, all three are different. Mm-hmm, they're very different. Uh, so you've, you're looking at small parts, uh, gaskets, uh, little pieces, bits and bobs that are going to harbor uh, bacteria. And uh, I believe the next piece is uh, the lid doesn't vent pressure until it's it's pretty high so you've got to kind of keep an eye on the pressure rating they, they do make um fittings uh that that you can check and test pressure on uh and there is a pressure a prv there's a pressure release valve uh and i know at the brewery katie what kind of how do we work with our brinks um, well, the brinks are a lot different than corny kegs. Mm-hmm. First of all, the the fittings are bigger. My my yep. my concern with and I've never harvested yeast into a corny keg. I know that now um, some you know very popular homebrew shops sell even one and a half gallon corny kegs, mm-hmm. which could work really well for a homebrew scale. But my question would be um, getting the yeast in and out of that because yeast is you know when it's in and of itself it's pretty sludgy stuff yep. and you're going to clog those tubes. And clog the fittings on top. Yeah, I think um, it would it would have to go in the big the big hole. The big I hole. Don't yeah, I think there's any way of. Yeah, so we're yeah. talking about a racking arm here. Or like, yeah. I mean, how are yeah. we going to yeah. work with this so, on a homebrew scale? Um, but with with Brinks and in, 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 in a, on a big system, they're they're half barrel. They're you know they're they're half barrels, mm-hmm. and they have holes cut in the bottom with tri clamp fittings and all the things, so yeast can easily get in and out of those of those Brinks pretty easily. And then you just put pressure on the top of the vessel and this could uh, potentially work for um a corny keg where you put co2 in and then it sucks the yeast kind of out from the bottom mm-hmm. and that's how we you know we we bring into these big 15 30 barrel fermenters that we're using right so i think we can kind of pass that into the the, the cons category for a uh, storing yeast in a corny keg yeah it's hard uh, to get it in and out mm-hmm uh, and then again, that pressure, like 20 psi, can be fatal. There will be autolysis. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of pressure, so you got to kind of off gas that a lot. Uh, another thing to think about is that these are opaque. Uh, we can't really see what we're working with. Um, I, I personally, I like to take a look at the yeast, give it a little, like, poke my finger in it and give it a taste, and give it a little smell. Um, and that can also be a problem with um, these corny kegs. They're a little bit unwieldy. So, moving on. Uh, yeah, yeah. So going from there, uh, back to the uh, the stainless uh, buckets with the lid. Um, they're like again stainless, like the corny. Super easy to clean. Like you, you know that you can clean it. Um, like the lid, you're not gonna have that um, that pressure problem that you're gonna have with the corny keg. Uh, it's it's a bucket or a pot, so like the opening is big enough to get in there and. Take things in, put thing, or you know, take or put things in, take things out. Um, even Gordon could get his hands in a bucket, I think. Uh, <laughs> so what we need to think about though here, um, and they're easy, and they're easy to source. Right. Well, there's that, yeah. but the thing to keep in mind here with these with buckets are, you know, you really want to keep the airborne particles out. Yep. Uh, I know that Katie does. It, we'll probably get into this next week a little bit with Katie, but. Uh, the airborne particulate that just naturally floats around in a brewery is is going to bring you a lot of pain and heartache if you're not um, sealing the lid of this uh, said stainless steel bucket that we're talking about as an option for um, uh, you know cropping and, and, yeah. and storing mm-hmm. homebrew 
yeast. I think that's just going to be an issue all the way around. Yep. Just Say quick that. question: as this Google imaged uh, corny keg, is it the same thing as a Cornelius keg? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. Just want to make sure I'm on the same page. Yeah, we just <laughs> we we shortened it. Village idiot question. Oh no! I mean, there's probably somebody out there with it. That's why we have you around, Gordon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't supposed to be a knock, but it turned into one. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have fucking shirts made. We're gonna be standing outside the front door with pitchforks and torches. Uh, yeah, so buckets are like they're they're a weird size, um, so you can't really store them easily. Uh, and we're gonna run into that like when we start talking about because uh, not just stainless, but you could use like a um, like a plastic bucket too, um, like a brew bucket. You in theory could use anything that's you know not gonna let oxygen or I guess too much oxygen through, not gonna harbor bacteria. Um, I would, and you know, and we then. when we talk about like if we're making sours on a homebrew standpoint, like we want a separate set of equipment, and I would say like another separate set of equipment for yeast handling would probably be in order. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I I don't think that would be out of line, um, and because you're not looking at a ton of equipment for your yeast handling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of one of the most common ones that I've seen. Uh, are like glass mason jars or like the gallon um, jugs, like fermentation jugs. Um, they're clear, so you can see the yeast separate. Uh, they're, I mean, they're everywhere. Uh, they're super easy to clean and sanitize because it's glass. Um, but it's easy to break, and glass under pressure is incredibly dangerous. So make sure that you have some way of relieving that pressure. Bottle bombs. Yes. Uh, yeah, and one, mason jars aren't necessarily made for even that amount of pressure. Um, yeah, so, if you're going to use a mason jar, I would definitely keep that lid loosely. Yes, uh, don't don't screw jar. it down. Like maybe the first thread, yeah. just to make sure it's yep. not going to knock yep. off. Well, we should also give a nod to uh, tinfoil. Tinfoil. Let's give a nod to tinfoil. I mean, it's 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 e- a magical thing. Easy to sanitize. Yeah. You can keep Use. it loose over different containers. It's breathable, but won't let in that airborne particulate yep. as easily. Spray so. some rub- rubbing alcohol on that. Just cap off that. Yeah. Well, what's better, seventy or ninety? Seven, seventy for that application. Mm-hmm. Yes. Specifically, and it's cheaper at Target, and you sure can actually is. fit a spray bottle top. So, can we just talk about ice? Isopropyl alcohol for a yeah. second. Yeah, yeah. So seven. There's seventy and is it ninety one? And nine. You know, you think the stronger the better, right? But the the um. You know, some of these microorganisms that you're trying to kill with that rubbing alcohol, they develop a kind of a defense mechanism when they get sprayed with that really strong ninety one percent rubbing alcohol, and it makes them like less easy to kill. So if you're going to be flaming things, use ninety one. If you're just going to be spraying to sanitize and sterilize, seventy is good. Interesting. I always thought it was the uh, like the evaporation rate of the ninety one would be faster than the seventy, so it wouldn't have as long on the surface. I think that's also true. But. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea. Like I, that was just com- pure conjecture on my part, so I don't know. So seventy. Keep seventy. 70. Yeah, for spray bottles and just you know spraying. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if anybody's really flaming things at the homebrew scale. That seems terrifying. Uh, I think I might have been actually. I don't know if that was, I don't think that was a thing I knew about until pro brewing. And then I was all about it, obviously. Well, yeah, because fire is better. True. So what we're talking about, we're going to move into is. Have we talked about the now, can I now like the Nalgene bottle or the poly 
What is it? Uh, polypropylene. Yeah, polypropylene. In my opinion, polyethylene. In my opinion, I I think that that's really the best solution for a homebrew scale because I think you can even like heat sanitize those. Yep. I think that they're they're not meltable. Um, and they have markings, so you can you know you can kind of gauge how much yeast and, and volume you're using on those, and they still have the same like screw top. I'm very enthusiastic about these bottles right now. Yeah, and yeah, you, you know the same screw the, top. You put kinda, the tin foil over that too, or, yeah, or sure. keep yep. the it screwed on yeah. lightly. And they're not man. gonna they're not gonna shatter if they happen to have too much pressure put on them. Well. Well, they're not going to shatter as catastrophically. Like with glass, you know, like <laughs> glass in your face. Or just because you can screw it up. <laughs> um, and the, some of them are actually pretty scratch resistant, too. I mean, you don't you obviously wouldn't want to go in there with like a, a, a one of those metal f- scratchy pad things. Well, I mean, like, can, why, why, why don't we want to scratch it? Like, what's because it creates a little micro. I don't know, like just like, you know, obviously bacteria is way smaller than a scratch on a glass. So it can kind of get into that and no, no amount of cleaning or whatever is going to. So you're saying like the chemicals can't really get, get into that or into it. No, okay. no micro abrasions. I know about those. micro abrasions. Thank you. <laughs> Man. Deal with that and paint. So take that. Yeah. Hi. Oh. Yeah. Paint was useful for once. <laughs> That's for, for Sherm, Sherman. <laughs> for Sherman Bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. All right. So, I guess the so polypropylene is the way to go then. Like the yeah. algae bottles. So, sounds like because I mean things aren't going to explode and kill you. Um, like they're easy to clean and they're cheap. Yeah. I would say though uh, that no, it doesn't really matter what you store your yeast and you should label that very clearly because you know here at, at Blind Ninja Studios you've got. Uh, you curious know, people, curious people. roommates. You've got you've got Carlos bumbling around, <laughs> uh, and so we're 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 talking about you know people are like oh what is this uh, open it sniff it as a beer I don't know you know and and make sure you label it very clearly yes. give it dates mm-hmm. maybe a generation put a yeah. skull and crossbones number on middle finger whatever you want Some, something on there yeah just and then uh, the biggest one and I am notoriously bad about this do not forget to document. Um, and this is more of me yelling at myself. Yeah, man. Every time, uh, not every time. I feel like a lot of times I ask you for recipes or documentation. And you're like, I didn't do it because I suck. Mm, yeah, most of the time. <laughs> but most of the time, you were asking me that when I was brewing every weekend, three mm. beers a week, yeah, three yeah. beers a sa- Saturday. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> he did the eighty style challenge, so he's brewed every style. I brewed and eighty different beers in eighty weeks. We've got oh, was a stupid twelve idea. or fourteen rebrews that you've got to do. So. We don't talk about those. Fair. <laughs> so don't forget to document for a, yes. a, a variety of reasons: sensory qualities, uh, sourcing of the yeast. Uh, we know certainly that yeast companies are not infallible. There have been. You know, infections, etc. Different. You know, if you have one kind of wort and you're working with five different types of yeast, uh, you are going to pull out a different beer every single time. Uh, number of generations is good to know. Uh, there can be a sweet spot, depends on the strain. Uh, storage temperatures. Uh, we're looking for something to to keep dormancy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the vitality uh, and and the uh, the other V word. Um, Vitality and vigor. 
Veronica. Veracity. Verarar. In any case. I have uh, it written here somewhere. Right. Storing your yeast doesn't mean that you can store it indefinitely. Uh, Keep it at a proper temperature and time. Viability. Viability. Thank you very much. Vitality and viability. Those are two different things. Uh, That being said, we can move on to shelf life. Yes. Uh, So shelf life of harvested yeast depends on quite quite a few factors. Um, including what was the condition of the yeast at the time it was collected, was it top or bottom cropped, what beer uh, did it ferment, what strain it is, what the storage conditions are, um, like if Mars was in retrograde, like all of these things. Well, <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. That doesn't Jupiter bother me. Jupiter is in oh, okay. retrograde, not know. Mars. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> But the, um, the reality here is that there's, there's not really a good way to know the, what the real condition is uh, of your yeast and its ability to ferment anything, uh, or another beer for that matter, uh, without testing for viability, uh, cell count, purity, you know, these types of things. And, you know, obviously in this book that we're kind of pulling from, there's um, definitely a section on how to make your own uh, mini yeast lab, and it's actually... Not as hard as you would think uh, from a homebrew standpoint. So uh, cer- certainly in a, a commercial setting where like thousands of dollars are at stake, it's, it's worth to test what you can with the means you have. So, and here's the thing. I mean, really, if you if you're a if you're a, a home brewer and you want to reuse your yeast, which is super great for your beer. I mean, second, third generation yeast that you're using, if you're treating it well, if you're cleaning and and sanitizing the vessels that you're storing your yeast in and you're not storing it for more than say seven days between batches that yeast is going to be super happy super healthy um and you know you're trying to transfer it into your fermenters in the most you know draft free sterilized sanitized environment possible it's all that's all you really need to do um you know, you don't need a microscope to test yeast health. You, if you're if you're a seasoned enough brewer, you can kind of look at your fermentation and say, "Oh, this one, it, you know, lag phase seemed to last a little bit longer, or this smells a little bit off, or whatever." I mean, there's ways to sort of know just from looking and you know your sensories to know if yeast is healthy, and obviously the taste of the beer at the end. And unfortunately, you know, that's time put in, but um, it doesn't. Yeast are, yeast are very hardy microorganisms and they will if you treat them just with a little bit of respect and you know like yeah they're they're gonna they're gonna do their job they want that's what they need to do so so the uh, something that you said kind of triggered this for me which we talked earlier about you know the yeast is better under beer so if if we do have say uh you know a batch of beer that we've made and then we rack it into uh like a corny keg or we bottle it uh can we keep that yeast cake in the corny or i'm sorry in the uh in the fermenting vessel uh can we put beer right back on top of that if we leave a little layer of beer or is that i mean what are your thoughts on that i i think that um yes you can but there is also something about like yeast pitch count in that situation and Mm -hmm. i would rather over pitch yeast than under it by by every means, but right. you, you know you you brew a batch of beer, the yeast ferments, does its thing, and you usually probably have three or four times the amount of yeast that you actually need for the next batch. And things like um, foam retention 
are less if you over pitch yeast. So if you're if you're looking for things, there could be some off off flavors that happen with over pitching yeast. Um, so I think maybe once that's cool, but you can't continue to do that six or seven generations in. Okay, so I think what also what you're saying, like in addition to that, is that if if we over pitch, we're mostly going to be okay. But if we under pitch, I mean, we're going to have probably have some problems well and that cake at the bottom of your fermenter also has all those dead yeast cells mm-hmm. uh the underperformers whatever trube was left in the yeah, yeah all those proteins Na- natural hop, selection. hop 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 you know True. compounds True. from the from the previous batch are yeah. all in there as well yeah gordon well that's just i was gonna ask you there's like a rule of thumb for homebrewers like if i well big o for example had <laughs> five six inches of of yeast at the bottom, if I could throw that. So your your problem with Big Oaf was the your your ABV is also going to. That was a massively your... high gravity beer, yeah. and but but I was asking Casey when we're transferring to the keg if I could just take if I had another batch ready, just put it on top, maybe throw yeast nutrients in there. Or yeah, I mean you you probably could, and it might be fine, but again, like the higher the with the ABV, the more the less viable your yeast is going to be because yeah. it's to- alcohol is toxic. I would just repitch, and then you know if you've been listening to any of the past episodes that we've been chatting about how yeast works, uh, uh, I would uh, jam a lot more oxygen into your um, into your pitch yeah. uh, on a higher gravity beer and quite a bit more yeast, a much larger starter. So. Um, it kind of brings us. Uh, yeah, that to... actually works perfectly into our next se- uh, section yeah. here, which is reusing yeast mm-hmm. and reusing. Like brewers have been reusing yeast since we uh, since we started brewing, uh, without since before they knew it was yeah. A thing. Yeah, because if if it wasn't, it wouldn't have evolved into brewers yeast. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it wouldn't have like generations and generations. Uh, like have been doing it. Um, but so like a fresh first generation pitch, which is like straight from the lab, like when you get your smack packs or they're not vials anymore. What are they called? Sachets. I don't Sachets? think they're called sachets. No, I don't think that's right either. I don't think that's right. But the sack. Well, all right. Your little, I don't know, whatever the new white labs things is. Like yeah. Pure pitch. I think. I think that's what, that's it, what is. it is. What they call it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that, that is like, that is your, your first generation, very pure yeast. Um, it's going to take, it's going to take longer to finish than a repitch cause it needs to get used to your brewery and figure out what yeah. you're doing. Same thing. I mean, the, the, the jury is kind of out on as far as do we rehydrate dry yeast? Do we not, uh, Give, give it a shot. See what you think. See what happens. Do, do you like the flavor better? Can you tell the difference? Um, but uh, as far as reusing goes, um, like Casey said, without reusing yeast, modern brewers, uh, yeast it wouldn't have existed. It was a natural selection sort of piece, which we've gone over and over. Um, <clears throat> and I, did you talk about the first generation pitch? I did. I did. Um, right, cool. um, uh, switch from lab to brewery culture takes a couple of generations as well, uh, if, especially if we're trying to grow something a little bit larger. Um, and repitching yeast can result in a uh, in a better or at least uh, slightly different beer. You're going to uh, see that the yeast kind of evolves over time as well. So uh, when when we're looking at reusing yeast, how many times can we actually like I guess reuse, or how many generations can we push? 
like a strain. I feel like as a homebrew, the only way you're going to know that is if you brew the same beer over and, and use over. the same yeast, and then you go, okay, generation seven is starting to taste a little funky. Um, otherwise, you're just going to have to sort of pick a, a generation. Like, I'm comfortable using this yeast four times, or I'm comfortable using it six times, or whatever, you know? Okay. Um, I, otherwise, it's it's because every beer you put it in is going to act a little bit different, it's, or it's going to act a little differently in that beer, and you're not going to know until you can do side-by-side -side comparisons, really. So at, at the homebrew level, if you're looking for something that's pretty repeatable, um, it's almost like reusing isn't necessarily going to give you super repeatable results unless you're pulling it off of the same beer like and building those generations that way i th i think so i mean okay. maybe that's just being the director of quality control in me. <laughs> but you know you you know you have these you have these you know certain you know aspects of of, of anything and i suppose you could do similar beers you know, you could do, well, I'm going to do IPAs and switch up the hops, and you can still kind of figure out that yeast character in those beers um, generation by generation. But until you, you know, if you're if you're going to reuse a yeast and say, okay, I'm going to use it in a blonde ale, and then I'm going to make a, a American pale ale with it, and then I'm going to reuse it in an IPA, and then I'm going to use it in a stout. It's going to be completely all over the place. Yeah, I don't know how you right. could really do good quality control in that situation. Okay. Yeah. Do some experimentation. And as always, if you guys have, uh, ex experience with this kind of stuff and have some ideas on it, shoot us a message and questions yeah, and definitely. all that. Yeah. Um, so that being said, I think part of this book will kind of tell you eight to 10 for ale, three to four for lager. That's kind of up for, up for discussion. And we always, like we always say is ask 10 brewers, get 10 answers and, no, it depends on the sample set. Well, in, in your guys' experience, just anecdotally, have you noticed, like, ales will push a little bit farther than lagers, like, generationally, or no? It's it's just what she said before. It just depends on... Okay. I haven't I haven't pushed uh, lager yeast very much in my professional experience. I've, I've definitely um, tried to push ale yeast, and in my opinion, about six or seven generations is about as far as I want to push push it to be okay. able to to produce you know well well attenuated beer D depends on the strain depends on the conditions aspect ratio what what's your fermenter look like what's your fermenter and what's your fermentor look like uh so brian what is the biggest uh issue that beginning brewers have with reusing yeast yeah so sanitation and and we've gone over this a hundred times over um i think we need to go over it every episode because it's yeah, super important uh cleaning sanitizing and sterilizing are three different things it's always a pain point pretty much throughout like the entire process uh down down to the, the wort chiller um water everything uh, so i uh my before i was a, a professional brewer i worked at northern brewer which is probably most people in, in the in the country or home brewers know of that place yep. and I think that most new brewers their limitation was they didn't want to spend a little extra money to get a little bit more yeast or do yeast starters so you know obviously sanitation cleanliness is super super important for yeast but like get two packs of yeast yeah. I know it's like nine more dollars on your batch but if you're not going to want to do a yeast starter, if you're not going to want to, you know, get the, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the the fast pitch, whatever mm -hmm. wort thing that they they make now or make your own, just buy buy two packs, even if it's a 1050 beer, two packs. 
Always. Yeah. yeah. And and we, we definitely have, have talked yeah, about this. Yeah, I think we've stressed that one a yeah. lot. Good. Um, Thank you. Yeah, oh for sure. Like <laughs> your, your your kit your kit's gonna give you the, the two hundred billion cells that you need, but like But there's again, also shelf life with that. And you know, I mean, you know, I you know, I as we work there and there you know, we'd have okay, this this yeast pack has expired, so we would discard it. But still you have you have yeast that's shipped from the west coast and it's you know six weeks two months old well and the viability then isn't as great if you're ordering from northern brewer then there's another shipping leg yeah, in if there you're not in the area right. yeah yeah so yeah i think that you know it's it's like well i don't want to i don't want to spend a little bit of, of extra money to do this process to make your yeast a little bit more healthy and it's going to make a difference between good and bad beer in my opinion right i mean so like again from a sanitation standpoint like when we would you know you rip the package open um i would you know, wear those black tattoo guy gloves uh i would i would sanitize if you've got a bucket of sandy go and stick your hands in put take the actual yeast package and just dump that in there dip or it even, in there, even take the in, scissors in there everything that's going to come in contact with it even invest in a spray bottle and some 70 percent isopropyl and just spray this spray the scissors spray the outside of your yeast pack i can't actually can't believe or stress the amount uh, how important isopropyl alcohol is in the brewing industry we have six spray bottles a lot of everywhere <laughs> i've probably inhaled more of that in oh, my man. life than yeah. i should but yeah well. I, so, I mean you know sanitizer sanitizer bucket sanitize your scissors before you cut open that pack if, or if, yep. spray spray the outside of it with some yeah. iso alcohol all right super important well, uh, is there anything else you guys want to say as like kind of wrap up comments on this, or should we uh, should we get out of here? I think we are good. For All right, Gordon, do you have any 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 tidbits of wisdom, Dad? Uh, or questions? Call wisdom <laughs> <laughs> or questions? No, More importantly, questions. No, just that if there's a rule of thumb for how long a home brewer can keep yeast, you know, like for me, can I just take some, put it in a sanitized vessel, throw it in the fridge? Do I have like? a day or seven days to a work week. with a week i would say about seven to ten at the very most and i can't remember if you guys talk about the low end that yeast can survive in because i have like a little breezeway wintertime it's my extra walk-in freezer could i throw it mm. in there um that, i i think i think as long as you're not freezing it yeah. in quantity yeah it should be fine because uh and correct me if i'm wrong but won't like the cell walls rupture or something like if it gets if it freezes or i don't Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. That makes like, sense. Yeah. <laughs> they're mostly water and it expands and crystallizes. Yeah. and. Yeah. We're, we're talking about uh, cell membrane, lipid me- yes. membrane. That's, you know. That was that was like a couple of months ago. I can't remember that <laughs> yeah, anymore. And you've it's, talked about how important oxygen is to yeast, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, Do we have a listener mail or is uh, it not? Not this week. Next time on whatever's this show is called. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerdstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnerdstudios or follow us on Twitter at blindnerdscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.